1: Hey there, this is Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limit podcast, a podcast all about shedding, limiting labels, and beliefs. Um, this week, we continue our conversations about Enneagrams. We're going to talk about a specific subpopulation a little bit more. And we are joined by our guest, Elizabeth Brennan, founder of Sound Mind Enneagram Coaching. Now, Elizabeth has a real passion and connection in her heart to moms of children, especially those who have developmental delays. Her own daughter has a speech delay that they've been working on for the past year, and at the same time discovering additional struggles with sensory integration. And think about that moms, um, or moms-to-be, or moms-grandmoms. Think about how overwhelmed you might be feeling if you had just started discovering these things, all while you're also running a business, having a life, all of that. So Elizabeth's going to talk to us a little bit more about that. In fact, we're going to talk about how we should think about the Enneagram, how it can help help support moms in their roles as moms. Um, And then what do moms do if they know their type and are using it to support themselves and their growth, but they don't know their spouse's type? What's What do we do in those situations? And then finally, on a more personal note, I'm going to ask Elizabeth to share what it's like to be her type, which is a social six with a five wing from a mom perspective. So now with that, let's welcome our guest today, Elizabeth Brennan. Hey, Elizabeth. Hey, Sarah. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Um, I'm very interested in your personal story about how you came to use the Enneagram, what it means to you, and how you've grown through your relationship with your daughter, who gives you special opportunities to grow yourself. But before we start that, I want to ask you the question I ask all my guests, and that is whether or not there's something that you do every day that helps you stay true to yourself and living on your own purpose
2: and calling. Oh, my Bible study a hundred percent. Um and some days it's just looking up the verse of the day on Biblegateway.com and other days it's a real detailed study. Um right now I'm working through the fruits of the spirit and that's that's really helpful to me. And I even um studying about patience this morning. (laughs) And that has been something all week that I've needed when uh, My two year old decides that she doesn't really like nap time anymore. (laughs) So that's, um, yeah, I start my morning that way every day. Okay,
1: that's great. And um, so it's already the twos? There we go. Yes,
2: (laughs) she turned two in December.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations. It's a fun age as kids are growing and exploring. And I do remember. Actually, I was a little older when I, and I may have gone through the same thing as a kid. But all I remember was I was a little older, maybe four or five. And my, I realized now it was my mom's coping mechanism. We all needed naps, whether we were tired or not. It translated into we need quiet time, or she needs quiet time because we had a big family. Yes. (laughs) Um, So I may have had my tantrums closer to six, but um, anyway, I am curious um, when or Yeah. How you dealt with that overwhelm? Like you described feeling overwhelmed when you kind of started discovering that your child had developmental delays and then looking at some other things as she's growing and maturing in herself. How did you deal with that?
2: Um, Mostly really looking to other people and looking online for resources. I um, was able to to connect with a a lady at my church who her son had gone through the same thing of just being a late talker saying a little bit but not really saying enough to to make developmental people you know happy about it and when we first we first got the diagnosis if you will that she had my daughter had speech delay when she was 13 months old and in my mind that was like she's only, she just started talking. Like she doesn't have a delay yet. She just started talking. And so at first I kind of ignored it, like just the the denial, like she's not, this is not a big deal. But as, after a couple of weeks, I started to notice, like she really does only have a couple of words. She's kind of losing the words that she's learning. And that was scary. Um, When, especially every other milestone, she'd hit like on time or early. You know, there was nothing holding this little girl back. And so to hear that not that only having four words was a concern at 14 months old, I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> nothing else is a concern. And that started eating away at my heart. My I'm I wouldn't call myself an achiever, but I've always been like really focused on learning as much as I can, trying to find ways to understand everything. And my siblings and I were all labeled as gifted and talented in school. And so those were things that just came naturally to us. And so to have something that I was like, but I don't know, I don't know about speech delays, just didn't, nothing made sense to me anymore about what I was supposed to do. And it started getting to this catastrophic thinking of, well, she's just never going to talk. What am I going to do with a child who never learns to talk? If she's..." you know, she can only say four words and really taking the time to dive into God's word and listen and and let him tell me she is fearfully and wonderfully made. He knew her before she was even before I knew her. And he has plans for her that I don't know. Really grounded me. The fear was still there, but that grounded me. And so again, being able to turn to people who'd been through the same experience, listen to them say, yeah, it was really scary for the first several months. And then they start learning words and they start talking, um, gave me hope. And then being able to research on my own. I'm so grateful for podcasts <laughs> because <laughs> as a busy mom with a child clinging to me all the time, I can't sit down all the time and just read and read and read like I would love to. Um, And so I started listening to as many podcasts as I could find about speech delay. And um, there's a lot of speech and language pathology jargon that I don't understand still, but it um, made things more, made more sense. And it made it more of an option to say, okay, I think speech therapy would be helpful. To my mind, speech therapy was just what you do when you get to elementary school. And um, then I was like, oh, I guess this is actually a useful tool. And so that's where peace started to come again from trusting in the Lord, but then also just practicing what does, what are my resources? Um, so it it was a lot of choosing peace and then practicing peace and then allowing that peace to, to become a part of our everyday life.
1: That's so powerful because we do get to choose, right? We can choose Mm -hmm. to stay in that freak out you know, get way down and like, what am I going to do with if she never learns to speak? When I find myself in that place, I sometimes, and now I can catch myself pretty quick. I'm thinking, well, you're assuming you're lucky enough you're ever going to reach that place. So why don't you just get back to today, you know, Right. because we're so far out in the future. And that is that catastrophic, let's see if we can shore up all the holes and make sure we're safe. Um, But to have a, um, To have a mom like you who went and started to learn and got um, that it is a thing, you know, and the younger the kids, the easier to start transitioning and all that. And you're right. There's a ton of jargon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But so I think about that. and, And you say that's one of the reasons you have this passion for moms, right, with other in other situations. Is that born from your own isolation
2: when you first like found yourself in that spot? It's it's actually earlier than that. Um, I I was a teacher before I was a mom, and my husband's career moves him around a lot. And so when I learned I was pregnant, it was the end of the school year, and we knew we would move to a new new town. Uh, and I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna teach when I move, and I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so I was like, well, I'll just take this time to learn how to be a stay at home mom, and it being in a new town with no job, I'd always not really considered myself to be a career woman, but I was a teacher and that's what I did. I, I taught people. I didn't just not, to, I don't, I didn't just not teach people, I guess. Um, and so, so that just, was more than just
1: even your paycheck is your orientation kind of like teaching people period. Yes. Like it, so it's the, your vocation and it was also like your it's your gift. Is yes. that what you, okay, I'm
2: with you yes. now. Okay, perfect. And so I I enjoyed that time. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, but then when Sersha was my daughter Sersha was born December of twenty nineteen. And so I got to be a mom for about three months before the world shut down from COVID. And then I was, I was a mom, but now I was on an Island and, and we all were, everybody, everybody was, you know, we didn't know, like, can I go visit my friend or not? And then of course we had to move again in May. And so all of that support system that I'd started to build that had been kind of yanked away while I lived there suddenly was completely gone. When we moved to a new town and we moved to a new town in the middle of shutdown. And then my husband had to go out of town for an entire month. And there, that was a dark time in my life of just being really a single mom for about a month with nobody that I didn't, we weren't near family, we weren't near friends, we didn't know anybody in the town. Um, And I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing anymore. Like I said, I'd been a teacher for so long and now I was just taking care of a small child and trying to make sure our house didn't cave in on us. and. That's where learning about the Enneagram really started to fill the gaps for me. Um, I was crying out to God, I don't know what you want me to do. I don't think that this is the only thing. I don't think that you only want me to take care of this child and keep our house in order. Not that any of those are bad things. They just weren't what was giving me life at the time. And when I learned about the Enneagram, it gave me a chance to see myself reflected in god's eyes and to see that he had created me to have in many ways the anxieties and the the struggles that i have for a purpose not just to overwhelm me not just to make my head spin but that all of these were things that i was experiencing so that i could share with others that no matter what he is with us and he loves us and there were things i was learning that were strengths of mine that i'd never really considered strengths
1: of mine before
2: give me a uh, for instance there um loyalty so you mentioned i'm a type six loyalty is a strong strong characteristic of type sixes and i've never considered myself a loyal person before Um, that my five wing is very strong and that's kind of an isolating personality type very introverted And so I I often do the withdrawing before I actually do the type six, you know, trait of going to people. Um, So I always kind of felt myself as being that introvert. And it didn't make sense until I was learning about the Enneagram that that loyalty shows up and it's very strong. It's just quiet. It's not as in your face as some people think of a loyal person of always being there, always trying to reach out. Um, Mine was a lot quieter. There are people that to this day I've I've not heard from or been able to stay connected with, but I think about them all the time. Um there and that's that's one of the things that I I've, I've never considered about myself. It always kind of made me feel bad that I didn't go out and talk to them, you know, especially if they were close by or something. But God showed me that's something that I can do and I can pray for them and think about them. And as much as it's going to be helpful to me to, to tell them that I've done that, if I don't tell them that I've done that, I've still done it and it's still supporting them in some way. Um, so that's, that's really, there were a lot of things that the Lord showed me through the Enneagram that I was like, I didn't know that about myself. And that to me is what I wanted to share with other people is I wanted to share the good things that you don't know about yourself and also those struggles, how they are really serving you in a way that you would never have thought of before.
1: So when you're when you're sharing and working with folks, Elizabeth, is there a particular type of individual or group that you
2: spend the most time with? In most of like in my daily activities, I'm mostly around mothers, um, because that's really just been so life giving to me to be able to meet other mothers, especially now that we've um, been able to go back to church and start. Play groups and things like that again. Um, but they're in my coaching. I've actually coached two sixes um, when I've only ever coached. A... Motherhood is making this take a long time, and I'm learning to appreciate that. I really am. So I've only ever coached a few people, but I've managed to coach two different type sixes. And it was so encouraging to me to be able to. To Coach them because they they aren't mothers those those two women are not mothers um, but they they saw life in a similar way that I did without it being the same, and so it was so encouraging to to hear that um, and work with them
1: so the the enneagram itself you can either take it and keep it very surfacey right like oh, I took the enneagram, I've got my numbers. Mm-hmm but it also can be very deep and complex and show us things just like you were describing. So when you start working with someone or someone asks you, you're out and about, and someone says, what are you talking about? What is the Enneagram? How do you explain it to them?
2: I always love this question because every time somebody asks me, I'm like, you know what? (laughs) I don't know. But it usually comes down to this is a, a tool that you can use to learn about your personality and other personalities, because really we all reflect each other in some way. Um, and so when we start learning about the, just the, the nuance that goes along with your type, you start having a chance to learn about other personality types as well. And when you can really learn about all of the different personality types that are available to people, you can really get a good handle on compassion. Compassion and empathy are what really make the the Enneagram an excellent tool, and that's what I want people to learn from it.
1: So let's dig down a little, and um, you can think about the gals you've worked with already, or folks you've had conversations with, or yourself, um, because you've got all those viewpoints that you can share. (laughs) But I'm curious how the Enneagram, um, from a mom perspective, right? How have you been able to use that tool or other women that, you know, have used that tool to help just
2: from the mom, that big, important role of mom? One thing that I've loved learning about the Enneagram is the different fears that people have. Um, So all nine types have really just kind of a predominant fear that show up in a lot of different ways. And each person, individual person is going to have that show up in a myriad number of ways. And so we're not able to pinpoint it for everybody. But one thing that moms do have in common is that they're always afraid for their kids. Even if they don't admit it, they're all afraid for their kids. They're afraid for their families in some way or another. And so learning about the different types of fear for each type um, really gives you an opportunity to say, what sort of thing is this mom going to worry about? And is there a way that I can just offer her some peace in that worry today? Um, so the type six just worries about everything. <laughs> their, their, their goal is to preempt any wrong that might happen in their life, any bad thing. And um, being able to bring that mom back into the moment is a huge help to her. Because she's so busy trying to stop the next bad thing from happening that she forgets to enjoy what's in front of her. And that's where relationships are so huge, not only for type sixes, but for all moms, is that offers them a chance to, to come back to what's important.
1: Do you recall um, some of the other fears that drive other types? I'm just curious in case we have a mom listening who says, Well, I'm a two or a seven or a four, whatever. Um, what are some of the other kind of fear drivers for
2: moms? Yes, type one is the fear of being wrong. And that, again, shows up in all kinds of different ways, but the fear of being wrong. And so what women really need in that case is to know that they're not wrong as a mom, that none of their decisions are going to cause their children lasting damage um, and, and being able to come alongside and remind them that you have everything you need to make wise decisions can be really helpful for them. Type two, their core fear is being rejected and unwanted. And that can that can be rejected by other people, or it can even be rejected by their children. And so being able to encourage them that they are not, their, their children are not going to reject them for whatever decisions they make can be really, really helpful. Um, because for a lot of people that just, that shows up in so many different ways, that fear of rejection. And type three, their core fear is being seen as unsuccessful. And again, every mother wants to be successful with her children. And so being able to point out the ways to her that she is being successful is helpful. And being able to separate that from her children can really help because a lot of times type threes will get tied up in their children. And so being able to show a type three mother how she is successful for herself, for her family, for her children, but not necessarily making her children successful can be really powerful. Type fours, their core fear is being inadequate and being not unique. Um, They really, they love the thought that they can be something that nobody else is. And pointing out to a a type four mother that she really has a unique way with her children, that she understands them in ways that nobody else understands them, can be so life-giving to her. Type four's core fear is to be annihilated or invaded, or to have obligations that they feel like they don't have the energy to complete. And For a type five mom, that can mean her children. Her children might feel like an obligation to her sometimes. And that mother really needs to find a way to have a support system that's, and it's tricky with fives because they really feel like they want to be independent. They don't believe they need a support system. But finding a way to be a creative support system to a type five so that she knows she's not the only one responsible for her children is a really beautiful thing for her. And so again that and type 6 just again is that their core fear is to just be not unprepared, to not be secure and not have their their family be secure. Being able to offer that assurance that they are secure and bring them back to the moment when they're feeling insecure can help them so much. Type 7's fear is being trapped in emotional pain. They're the types who are going to be trying their moms who are going to be trying to do all the fun things with their kids they are always planning something and they've got exciting things to do, reminding those parents that sometimes slowing down can be helpful to their children, especially if they've got children who are not type sevens is gonna be really helpful to them. They, they don't really necessarily wanna hear it, but being able to show them how to join their children when their children are experiencing emotional pain is gonna really transform their relationship with their kids. Type eight, their core fear is being weak and powerless. Um, these These mothers will do anything to protect their children. And sometimes they might go a little too far protecting their children. And so showing a type eight, how their children can really stand up for themselves, that their children are capable of doing that, that they don't, that as mothers, we can come alongside our children instead of going in front of our children to, to make a way for them can really allow them to see how their children are going to grow and flourish in their independence. And those, um, takes a little bit to make a type eight step back but it's so powerful when they do. And the type 9, their fear is conflict. They don't want to be disconnected from their loved ones. They don't want to be shut out of relationship with their loved ones and so that includes their children and sometimes they can struggle to they can struggle to um allow conflict to happen that really kind of healthy we need to sort things out. They can struggle to allow that sometimes. And being able to come alongside a Type 9 and help her work through a conflict in a, in her family would really allow her to um, find that, that conflict is not as scary as it sometimes seems. And that there's always a resolution. And that really and truly Type 9s are excellent at bringing about peaceful resolution within their family members, within their relationships, when when they really are leaning on the, the love of the Lord. Um, so being that friend who can remind the type nine that she really is strong and capable and that she's not gonna lose relationship with her children just because she's trying to help them work through something instead of just ignore the conflict, is it's gonna be really helpful to her.
1: Thanks for that walkthrough. Because, and and I will say that you're exactly right about the annihilation feeling or the mm-hmm. obligation feeling of a five. And so just knowing that about yourself and allowing yourself the grace to go, okay, this is like a, and it could be a blind spot for me. It's definitely a weakness if I allow it to be. But having that and even just hearing you affirm that and then really what, the, what would support it um, is powerful. Mm-hmm. So I wanna thank you for taking the time to do that. I also want to ask you, um, in that walk, when you think about it, I think about a wife and depending on the type on the wheel, right, or a spouse, Mm -hmm. whether they're married or not, but a wife, mom, um, so they know their type, but they don't necessarily know their partner or their husband or their spouse's type. Mm -hmm. What do they do? What is, what's to be
2: done with that? That's where I love the complexity of the Enneagram, because again, you can't really learn about your own type until you've learned about everybody else's type. And you can't learn how your type is connected to other types without learning how all the types are connected to each other. And I know on, um, actually, the day that we're recording this is the day that your first podcast came out with the enneagram type and Michaela Elizabeth described how all of the the wings and the the paths that are in the enneagram and so those all work together. Everybody has wings, everybody has paths that connect them to each other. And so when you are able to learn about all of the types, then you're able to kind of pick things out that are going to help the people that you I don't know that are their type, but I do know that this person, her core fear is blank. Again, one of the it doesn't matter which one it is, but one of those things is I know that my spouse, his core fear is this, and when you can learn about those, it allows you to just take a step back, reflect on what's really going on here in this situation, and try a different conversation. Um, and there we could go into a lot of other things with stances and triads that are also really helpful if you want to do that. Um, but those are, when we start learning about just the different details in the Enneagram, we can use those as kind of an a internal sounding board for what is going to really be a, a helpful conversation here.
1: Yeah, and we don't necessarily need, we don't want the Enneagram to just be some label that we wear that says, hi, I'm a five. This is right. like because it doesn't matter, right? And <laughs> then we just create a box that we're supposed to all stay in, which like you said, it's nuanced and it's complex. <laughs> we're not just one thing, but you're right. The more you know about the other types and the things, their fears, what their strengths are. And I always think what, one of the things that's helped me is to go, okay, what behavior am I looking at? Because it may look, you and I may have the same behavior, but what's driving that behavior is gonna be different for me than mm-hmm. it is for you, right? Or we're we're protecting, if we're in a protecting place, we're doing it for different motivational reasons, right? Reasons, right? So yes. I find the more I learn, like you were talking about, like learn about the other types, I just seem to care less about having to um explain myself, but also to really be curious about okay, what's happening for that person at this moment and could I do something? To maybe like especially if we're in conflict not my favorite thing to do but i'll do it and um i try to do it without leaning on my eight power mm-hmm. i right? just like just want to be here um but to think about like how could i do this in a way that doesn't freak that person out because now i know more about them and they're not if they are a nine they are not wanting to hit this conflict head-on like that mm-hmm. so i think your advice to us to like learn the different types and know more about that is um it's a great beginning place Mm -hmm. tell me what it's like for you to be um a six wing five because i'm a five wing six those Mm -hmm. are different but i'm curious like um how okay let's say this if we were going to both of us were given a free trip and we're going to go somewhere we've not been before and you get to take your family, so it's not you don't have to figure your all of the other things you might be thinking about as going as a single person. But how would you approach that trip? It'll be somewhere you've never been before, and potentially or most likely a place where English is not the
2: dominant language. Oh my goodness, I'm already overwhelmed. <laughs> um, I would do a lot of thinking and a lot of wondering and a lot of worrying and finally i would get a little bit tired of that and i'd start googling um in fact actually this is exactly what i did a few years ago before before our daughter was born we thought we were going to have the chance to move to egypt and i it's exactly what i did i did a lot of late night up in the middle of the night, wondering, worrying, what on earth is it going to be like there? And finally, I started Googling and found um, travel blogs of people who've lived in Egypt. And so that um, that gave me a lot of peace. It also gave me a lot more questions and a lot more things to do. And so then it's that's when I start making lists. What do we need to pack? What do we need to do? Do we need passports? Do we need what are our deadlines for passports? Um, because I will I will push the deadline all the way. Um, all the way. Even to the point where, oops, I think I need to expedite the passport. Um, because I I have to pay the extra fee. Exactly. So and that's that's where it's it, it gets a little crazy for me. It's like I'll make the lists and I'll make the the things, but that five wing kind of pulls in of um five wings or fives are not doers. They are thinkers and they are not doers. And so they often forget to, they'll they'll think so much they forget to do. And that's where that five wind comes in for me is I will think so much that I forget to do and I will have planned what I need to do. And then I don't execute it either on time or completely or something. Um, And so we would, we would definitely get on our trip, but, and we would have the sunblock, we would have the, the bathing suits, we would have Possibly the cold weather wear, just in case, um, you know. But we we would definitely forget the one obscure item that's actually what we needed <laughs> to make our way through this foreign country that we you know we didn't know about. Um, I, my husband is very spontaneous, though, so I'm learning that oftentimes you can buy one of those later. <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's what we would do. Yep, you
1: called out the five pretty well on that one. Um, I am a doer, but I'm also very strong with my connection to like an eight action person right. and a six wing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. The only reason I know about the expedited fees is I've been there. It's like, yes. oh, yeah, I knew we needed it, but I never checked to see where our thing's going to expire anyway. Right. right. So, <laughs> but that's funny. Um, but I, it is right. It's good to know that about yourself because then you can put protections in, and that is one of the mantras that I have adopted. Um, because I, I too do lists and then I cross them off. I don't care about them that much. I just don't want to have to like waste time once I'm somewhere else to like right. fill it in. But my husband said, "You know, we're not leaving the planet. We can, we can get that. If we we forget something, we can get it wherever we are. Right? Mm-hmm. They will have something similar or whatever." But that whole concept to me is like, well, maybe not what I think we should have. So learning, but, and you laugh, you just go, you're absolutely correct. Right. And the pressure goes off and you just go, okay, what are the must haves? Um, So with that, do you know your husband's type?
2: He believes he is a three. And I always say it that way because I'm, as a six, I'm constantly questioning. Just, it doesn't stop. There is... A desire for certainty that is never fulfilled and he knows that and and he's learning to appreciate it in many ways so he says he's a three and he more than likely he is correct but there's always a part of me that's questioning like well you did this and that's not mm, i don't know about that
1: <laughs> it's fun to discover together
2: mm-hmm. yes it, oh my goodness it is it it's been a journey for him because it was not his idea um to learn his type it was my idea and he started off thinking he was a 7 and then he decided he was a 9 and now we're we're finally pretty confident in 3 and so that's that's really what allowed me to see like okay it doesn't really matter what type he is as long as i know how to just how to ask the questions with grace and compassion when something comes up that would it would be helpful if i knew his type but it's okay that i don't Helpful, but
1: not necessary, right? Because you know, yes. you, and if you yes. know you, we can figure out the, you can enter interact in a way that's in your highest and best. So, mm-hmm. so what's the best way for people to connect with you, Elizabeth?
2: I am actually really excited to start launching my new website. Um, this this coming weekend is is when I'm going to finally sit down and, and click the publish button on it. So my website is soundmindcoach.com, and I'm also on Facebook at Sound Mind Enneagram, um, and then people can read if they want to contact me directly. They can email me at Elizabeth at soundmindcoach.com. Excellent, and then. Um... For folks who
1: reach out to you, is there a resource or an offering or something that you want them to know about? Like, hey, if you reach out to me, this is available to you?
2: Yes, I. so when when you work with me, my I coach people in the Enneagram and I offer them typing sessions and then also coaching sessions. And so you can buy a typing session with me and that, with, you and I will sit down together or online and just talk about what your motivations are, what are your life experiences and your goals and desires to come down to the conclusion of what is your Enneagram type. Um, and then we might spend two sessions on it if it's if that's what you need. We might we might only need one. It depends on um, who you are and how well you know yourself. And so for anyone. Um, listening right now, um, I'm offering half off the typing session, and then I'm also offering half off a six-session coaching bundle, which would include a typing session, and then we do five coaching sessions that walk you through the Enneagram, helping you to learn, like we said, about all of the different parts of the Enneagram, learning about yourself, learning about other types as we go along, so that you can really understand what motivates me, how can I use that in my life and in my relationships, and then how can I understand others better with more compassion and empathy?
1: That is a super generous offer. So listeners, if you are ready to, you know, you want to find your type or maybe you think you know it and you want to have time with Elizabeth to help her pull it apart for you more and really feel more confident, in where you are, please reach out to her. Um, That's one of the things she loves doing. And then if you go on and do the six session bundle, um, you'll even get deeper work with her. So Elizabeth, I want to thank you for being a guest on the No Labels No Limits podcast show. I also love knowing other Enneagram coaches um, because I learn from every conversation I have. And now I know someone who has a heart For working with moms, especially. Yes. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. All right. Talk to you, listeners, next week with a new guest. And in the meantime, Elizabeth, go forth and keep being you.
0: Thank you